Just celebrated yesterday Yontif of Yitzchislev, Yontif of Redemption, and today is a continuation of this, uh, under the spirit of this day of redemption and freedom, and it's the celebration of the Alter Rebbe, celebration of the teachings of Chassidus, is meant to be a personal one. Something about these teachings that are supposed to give us a real sense of, of freedom. And today we're going to look at one detail of, uh, and we're going to see how Hasidus gives, illuminates this idea and how it gives us real, real perspective, real perspective understanding of, uh, of what life is about and what wealth is about. Yutis Kislev, we say the Tilim, the way it's divided according to days, according to days of the month, the 19th of Kislev, we're saying chapter 90 in Tehillim. Chapter 90, David HaMelech, King David had tradition that that chapter was said by Moshe prayer of Moses. The Gemara prayer is a prayer of a rich man and a prayer of a poor man. And Moshe his prayer is called the prayer of a rich man. So on the surface, the reason we read this chapter on Yotis Kislev is because Moshe Rabbeinu was a redeemer of the Jewish people. So it's associated with redemption. Moshe redeemed us, and therefore we're celebrating the day of redemption, and we're saying his chapter of Tilm, the one who, who was our first redeemer, and even the coming Mashiach, it says, is with the power of Moshe, being Moshe is the first redeemer, and Moshe empowers also the, the redemption through Mashiach. That's a simple reason. There's also a deeper reason. There's something about the prayer of a rich man that specifically is, 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 helps us understand what redemption even means. Listen, if I bring in, it's meant to be beating yourself. Supposed to be come face to face with yourself at a fabrengen. Fabrengen needs three components. He's a guy to provide content. That's what I'm trying to do. You need to have a heckler. You need to have a guy who's a meshugana, who's going to make, make problems. And then you have to have a dreikup. A dreikup, someone who really wants to know the answer. And we all, we all have the same questions. But someone has to volunteer and say, I want to know the answer. So just putting that out there so that we could have a coming to this It shouldn't just be a speech. We should have we should fabrengen. We should go somewhere. So, Moshe Rabbeinu was called rich. Yaakov Avinu says in this last parasha, Esav wants to give Yaakov a present. Yaakov says, Yeshli Kol, I have everything. How can you have everything? Yaakov had everything. He had everything in the world that could possibly have. No one has everything. How could he say he has everything? And Moshe Rabbeinu, what's great about him that he was rich? Being rich is, is what makes you the redeemer of the Jewish people because you have more money. On the surface, what's the meaning of wealth? It's something that Ashkenaz... There's something that Ashkenazim have that um, have an issue with that Sephardim usually don't have an issue, but in this, issue, in this, in this, uh, in this sentence, I think Sephardim have a problem with it as well. The problem is, Ashkenazim, we don't know the difference between Aleph and Ayn, right? We pronounce Aleph and Ayn the same. Sephardim usually pronounce them differently. But there's one word I think that Sephardim also have a challenge to know which is the Aleph, which is the Ayn. I'm talking about the word Osher. Osher means good fortune, to be happy. And Osher also means wealth. Naturally, we think that what makes a person have good fortune, what makes a person happy? They have the money. They don't have the money, they're not happy. That's, that's why we naturally, that's why we're predisposed, perhaps, some of us at least, to think that that's what makes people happy. But we know that it's not really true. Although, although we may naturally be drawn to that kind of paradigm, we know it's not true. In fact, very often, specifically the people who have the most the, the people who are, you know, pop um, performers, actors, 
and um, the, uh, artists, musical <laughs> artists, who are the most fame and the most money, many of them are uh, gravitate towards um, towards suicide and to drugs and to addiction. In fact, uh, there are more people that die from suicide than people that die from murder. And people, a lot of you know, of the government is of every government is dedicated to stop murder and crime. But a lot of times, there's a bigger problem coming from within that people aren't happy, and it's often that those who are richer aren't happy. Why those who are richer aren't happy? The Gemara says, if you have hundred dollars, you want two hundred, right? If you have two hundred, you want four hundred. So if you have ten million, you're not happy with another hundred thousand. What's hundred thousand gonna do for you? You want twenty million. So you're and you're also more focused on your success than, than when you had only 100,000. When you have 10 million, you're more focused on success. But you're also, the success is far more elusive because you have to, transfer, you have to turn the 10 into 20, otherwise it's not worth anything for you. So a friend of mine was on a plane, and on the way to the plane, they, they were checked, everyone's passport was being uh, checked, there was a line, and my friend sees an acquaintance of his, and he says, oh, Shalom Aleichem. He says to his acquaintance, his acquaintance is very upset. His acquaintance is like, this is terrible. This is horrible. I can't stand this. And he's like, what's wrong? There's this line. The line was like a two-minute line. He's like, what's the big deal? He says, you know what it's like if you own your own jet, and all of a sudden, you, now you have to stand in line with everybody else. You know what it's like? So my friend thought, oh, this guy has lost all of his money. But then they go on the plane. He's sitting on an international flight in first class. So, but on the other hand, although he's sitting in first class, what was he, what was he doing the whole time he was sitting in first class? He's looking around, who is noticing that he, who has his own personal jet, is only sitting in first class and not on his own plane. So, Yankel, true story, Yankel sees that there's a yacht for sale. And Yankel wants to buy the yacht. Then, the guy, Shmerel, who's selling the yacht, Shmerel changes his mind, he doesn't want to sell the yacht. So, Yankel sends a messenger to Shmerel, tell him, I'm going to pay him two million more than he, than he, than he offered the, Shmerel says, I'm not selling it, I'm not selling it. So Yankel calls, calls the company that produced the yacht and he asks them to make him the same yacht. The company says, it'll take us four years. We're busy, it'll take us four years to do such a yacht. So he's so upset, he's so upset he doesn't have his yacht. There's a math teacher talking to her students. She makes a geometric line. And she says, without erasing any of this line, how is it possible to make this line smaller? And one child raises his hand. And he, said, he takes a, the marker and he makes the line underneath the, the top line, makes the bottom line to be longer than the first line. Because that's how you make it smaller. If, if you have a three-bedroom house, Baruch Hashem, and you're happy in your three-bedroom house, but all of a sudden, your neighbor gets a six-bedroom house. All of a sudden, nothing happened in your house. But all of a sudden, your house seems so much smaller and, and, and decrepit. There's a joke, not a joke, but a, a, a saying of Peretz Mochkin of Hashem. Peretz Mochkin used to say, there were three miracles that happened to our, our grandmother, to Sari Menu, to Sarah. One miracle was she had a blessing in her bread. Her bread stayed fresh. A second blessing was that her candles lasted from week to week. And the question is, why was she so happy with that? Happy because she has bread and a candle? The reason she was happy was because of her parents, because there was a cloud around the tent. So she couldn't see what was happening by her neighbors. <laughs> so, so, so of course she's happy. So... But we know that that's not true. That, on the contrary, that that pursuing resources, pursuing pursuing physical wealth, doesn't make you happy. Steve Jobs, all of a sudden, he was at the height of his career before he passed away and he got cancer. He said, he said that I've reached the top of my career, but 
I've had very few moments of good fortune, very few moments of osher, very few moments of happiness. And he says what happens is, is that this pursuit, constant pursuit of wealth, all it does is it makes us, it makes us uh, blind to what real, real um, value is, and it makes us blind to, um, it makes us complicated, it makes us very complicated. But the Gemara says the real value, what the real meaning of wealth. What does the Gemara say? What's the real meaning of wealth? Says the Gemara, Ein oni el badas, in asha el badas. There's no one who is poor unless someone is poor in knowledge. There's no one who is rich unless someone is rich in knowledge. On the surface, the Gemara is saying is, if you know a lot of Torah, if you know, have, have, know a lot of things, then you're rich. If you know, don't know a lot of things, you're not rich. But that's not really what the Gemara is saying. The Gemara is saying is very, very profound. If I am wealthy because I have a bunch of things, then I am not wealthy. Just things that I have. I personally am not wealthy. Real wealth is inside. Real wealth is recognizing your essence. The Gemara says, the Mishnah says, who is rich? Who is rich? As the Mishnah. <laughs> what does the mean? It should have said, the Mishnah is saying, you're happy with what you have. The Mishnah should have said, you're, who is happy? Who is rich, either? Who is happy with what they have. But the Mishnah doesn't say that. The Mishnah says, who is happy? Someone who is happy with their portion, with their section, with their part. What does the Mishnah mean? What makes a person happy is by realizing that you are a part of a puzzle. That you have a section that no one else has. That you have a part of the world that no one else has. And only you, you and only you, have that little section of the world that you can make an impact in. That you can cause those faces in your life to smile. That you can give compliments to the people around you and you can make them feel better. Be able to give a hand and, and help someone directly in contact with you that you know of and nobody else can. That's Happiness is, wealth is... Being connected to your source, being connected to your purpose, knowing why you're here, that's wealth. Poverty is when you feel hungry. No matter how rich you are, if you feel you're missing something, you're not wealthy. The real meaning of poverty is that you're missing something. The real meaning of wealth is you feel shefa, you feel abundance, you feel I have. There was a Holocaust survivor. He said as soon as he entered Auschwitz, he realized that he was going to lose his identity. I mean, it wasn't hard to tell, right? They, the first thing you do when you walk in Auschwitz, they give you a number, and they torture you, and they hurt you, and then they kill everybody. So he said to him, he, but his Rebbe always would say that Jew has to remember that they're part of God. Jew has to remember that the Neshama is a chelik of the kami mal mamish. The Neshama is an actual part of God. You have to always remember that. So he decided, as soon as he came to Auschwitz, he is an ambassador of God. He's here to do what God wants to do there. And he said, you know how many opportunities I, I found to be an ambassador of Hashem? You know many people I listened the hundredth time about about their pain, who I was able to give that to share with them a little bit that I had to help another person get into their to, into their bunk to help another person carry a carry a stone. There's so many opportunities he had to be that ambassador of Hashem. That's the real meaning of wealth. The Rebbe Tzinsim Ashkenazi from Kfar Chabad, she was the wife of Almana, the widow of Rabbi Matzal Ashkenazi El Vashon. She had this problem. The problem was. Every Friday night, she would light her Shabbos candles. And as soon as she lit her Shabbos candles, she would remember that she didn't put the flowers into water. Her husband would bring home flowers every week, and she didn't put the flowers in water. And she would only remember this as soon as she lit Shabbos candles. Now everyone knows, in Friday night, in Jewish home, very busy, very crazy, very hectic. And everyone's trying to get out of the house, all the men trying to get out of the house to go to Mincha. And she just lit the Shabbos candles. 
Uh, Schneier, can you help me put the flowers in the water? Uh, Beryl, can you help me? I know I'm, I'm, my mom didn't go take a shower. It's hectic. And she felt bad, like she ruined the moment. She took the Shabbos candles. She just prayed, you know, it's the most intense time of the week for a woman to pray to Hashem when she likes the Shabbos candles. And now all of a sudden she has to like exchange this moment because the flowers aren't in the water. Is that even right? Maybe just forget about the flowers. And she wasn't sure. And it bothered her. The question bothered her and the mistake of, of forgetting bothered her. A year later, she and her husband visited the Rebbe. They were there for Purim. And after Purim, they came in to the Rebbe for an audience. And the Rebbe spoke to her husband about a few issues that the village of Parchabad needed to take care of, that he needed to take care of. And then all of a sudden, the Rebbe stopped. And the Rebbe said, the Torah talks about Baal Tashchus. The Torah talks about honoring everything that God created. And even when uh, something seems insignificant, if Hashem created it, it has to be honored and respected because it has purpose. And therefore, Rebbe said, it's very important, before you light Shabbos candles, to put the flowers in the water, that the flowers will stay fresh. You can imagine, for her, it wasn't just that the Rebbe exhibited pure divine inspiration and could see into her heart, into her mind, into her flowers, into her situation, you know, months before and and, 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 and and miles away, thousands of miles away, but it was much more than that. What the Rebbe said was a total affirmation to what to what she needed to hear. The Rebbe was telling her, do you know what it means? Do you understand that your flowers have value and you have value and your flowers can't be wasted and that's so important and it's very valuable and, you're, and you know you can't waste the flowers and they're important and therefore the best thing is to, light the, to, to water the flowers before Shabbos comes. But the Rebbe didn't tell her like, you forget about the flowers, it's time for Shabbos. No, th- those flowers are important. And that's the meaning of the Sameach B'chalkoi, being happy with what you, ha- with your portion, with your section, with your piece of the puzzle, that your, that which your piece is different than everyone else's. So Jew may have seen this, it's gone viral on, on social media, the Jew named Arn Feierstein. He uh, had this textile company in 1995 that was worth $400 million. And I don't know exactly how the fire started, but there was a fire in his company, in New York, and the whole entire company within a week burned down. Once the company burned down, am I saying the name wrong? Not Firestein? Once the company burned burned down. Huh? Firestein? I think so. Fire. (laughs) Right? Is that the fabric guy? Yeah, the fabric guy, right? Once the company burned down after a week, this next day he made a press conference. All, he has 2,400 employees, 2,400 employees. All, the, all of them come, the mayor comes, everyone comes to his, to his announcement. What's he going to say? You know, he lost everything. He was 70 years old. The fire insurance was going to give him, his insurance company was going to give him $350 million. So what's, what, what do you do? You know, no-brainer. Take the money, right? So he makes an announcement that he's going to rebuild the company. And I was like, wow, to rebuild the company. Like, wow, it's such, 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 and everyone's crying, they're so happy, they'll rebuild the company, maybe one day there'll be future for them. And then he says, and meanwhile, I'm going to keep paying every single one of my employees. Um, until the company's back up, everyone's going to be paid. So the reporter says, why are you doing that? Like, that's already like, that's going beyond like being generous. That's already like a different level, it's unheard of. What, why is he doing, why are you doing this? So he said, my father was a religious man, he told me, you have to, in the place where there are no men, you have to try to be a man. Try to be a mensch. Try to be a mensch. He said, what am I going to do with another $350 million? Buy, and eat with two spoons? <laughs> I'm going to buy another yacht, to buy another plane? 
Hashem put me in this position, and I'm here, and I can help them, and I can't, I can't leave them alone. Hashem, these are these are my people. These are my, these these are people that Hashem has put into my care. So, think about, I mean, in ourselves, in a millionth of a liter of blood, in a millionth of a liter, we have three hundred million red blood cells. In the three hundred million red blood cells, in each one of these blood blood cells, there is five there are five million hemoglobin and many other things, and each. And every every hour, every 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 day, millions of these red blood cells die, and then the blood cells replace them. If you were to be able to talk, let's say, to one of those blood cells, say, "Hey, Mr. Red Blood Cell, how are you doing? What did you do today?" The red blood cell should answer, "You know what I'm doing? I'm creating life. I'm making it all happen. I'm the one who's doing all this." So imagine if if we were rich. Imagine we suddenly realized how rich we were. Hashem empowers us and entrusts us to our little corner of the world, that, the, that your family, the people in your life, that Hashem has arranged that you should meet them on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, and yearly, but, but the people that, that they're around you, the circumstances that you're in, imagine if we realized that we were like Moshe Rabbein. Moshe Rabbein was called the wealthy man. Why is Moshe Rabbein called the wealthy person? What's a wealthy person feel? A person who has inner wealth, who feels that they, they have value, that Hashem entrusts them, Hashem empowers them. What do they feel? They don't, when they see a circumstance that's, 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 that's not the way it's meant to be, they don't feel like a victim. Many people, they, not many people, all of us, all of us, you know, we get, we get uh, distracted, all kinds of things. We run after all kinds of foolish things, and, and we're trying to, like, go away from life. People watch the World Cup. Wow, it's a great sport, soccer, why not? But when you're going and you're watching that, and you, and you finish watching it, what do you have? You don't have anything. So people like run away from their life. Many people just like, they, they run away from what life is. What is life really? Life is about being connected to your source and the mission that Hashem has given you. Hashem has a mission for you every moment of your life. And being rich means you value the mission God gives you. Being poor means that you're disconnected and you're trying to run after something and you, and you, and you get distracted. You know, we have our phones, we look at our phones and we look at all kinds of stuff. And we look at our phones, what's happening is, we're, we're veering away. We're getting distracted from from our real purpose of where we're meant to be. It's 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 it happens to all of us. But at least we should know what wealth means and what distract and what what's pulling us away. We're not getting anything. We we, we put money into into entertainment and we entertain ourselves and we. But then we, we finish and we feel empty because there's a Jew, there's a school teacher, school teacher, and he successfully reaches most of his class. One kid misbehaves. And he said he says. I'm a failure. I'm a failure. This kid's not listening. I'm a failure. Well, what's wrong with this guy? You know what's wrong with this guy? Is? He doesn't recognize his mission. He's helped so many students for so many years, for decades, hundreds of students, thousands of students. He says, I can't help this kid. He feels, I'm a failure. Why does he feel that way? Because he doesn't recognize the wealth that Hashem has given. He doesn't recognize the wealth of his mission. Moshe Rabbeinu, it says about him, Usmunas Hashem Yabit. Moshe Rabbeinu could see the picture of God. What is the picture of God? The simple meaning is Moshe Rabbeinu saw something of, 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 of what it means to look at God, whatever that means. But there's a, there's a deeper meaning. We have our physical perspective of things, and there's a perspective of God on things. The physical perspective is, I have this, I don't have that, I want more of this. But uh, the God's perspective is, you are my ambassador in this world to bring to the world light and life and warmth, and you have something to give. That's God's picture. To, to Geula, the Geula of the Alter Rebbe, the redemption of the Alter Rebbe means on a personal level to be free, to be free from the physical, earthy perspective, the petty perspective, and to look at things face-to-face with your inner wealth 
and look at things from God's perspective. Look at things from the way that Hashem pictures things. Hashem pictures things and says, you, what are you talking about? You're my child. I need you. I empowered you. You have something to accomplish that no one else can. You're a part of the puzzle. You're going to make this happen. I need you to bring light. I need you to make this happen. You are the guy. It was a chassid after the previous Rebbe's passing. Went to the OL of the previous Rebbe. I think it was Rebbe Bukit's father, Rebbe Bukit. Went to the previous Rebbe's OL and he wrote to the previous Rebbe, my world is dark for me. My world's dark for me. Next day, he comes, it was a Friday. Next day was Shabbos. He comes to the Rebbe's Fabrengen. And the Rebbe looks at him. And the Rebbe had a clear blue sky. The Rebbe said, it's a luminous world. It's a luminous world. Well, if we look at the world as a luminous world, that Hashem empowers us to be his ambassador, you know, you know what happens when you're rich? First of all, you're not a victim. First of all, you look at yourself and you, no, no, no one can hurt you. Don't get, you don't get so irritated when someone steps on your toes. You don't, get, you don't feel so bad when someone pushes you around. Because you, 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 have, you have your inner worth and your inner dignity. It doesn't bother you when someone steps on your toes. If you feel poor inside, the slightest thing sets you off and gets so upset. It's the tiniest thing. You feel your inner wealth. You have value. So then you're not, first of all, you're able to handle things. But more than that, you're a vessel for God's blessing. It says, and I shall conclude with this. It says by Naftali, Naftali is happy, he's satisfied. He's full of blessings of God. What makes us full of God's blessings? When we're we feel that we're happy with what we have, we're happy with our mission. We Hashem entrusts us and we have some, something valuable to do. And, and, and we look, we walk home tonight, everyone's going to walk home, and you're going to meet someone in the home, and what are you going to do over there? What, 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 what's your attitude? What can you do to give them? What, what, or Right now, before we go, look at each look around the table, you see a lot of Jews around us, right? What, 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 what could give to each other? That attitude, that's, that makes us a vessel for moli birkasavai, it makes us to be full of God's blessings, for all good things. First of all, we feel already the abundance Hashem has blessed us with, and second of all, we're a vessel for more of God's blessings. A rich person sees an issue, doesn't feel, doesn't complain, doesn't feel upset. It's, oh, this is, must, must be for me that I could change this. It must be that I'm meant to do something. Shem should help us all. We have a real redemption in ourselves. Mm-hmm. We'll be free from all of the things that, dis- that distract us from God's picture of, the, of ourselves and God's picture of, of our scenario where we are in the world. And we should see the emissary, the true complete Gulut Mashiach, the true picture of how we'll see the Mashiach comes, the full puzzle on how each of us is part of making that happen. Well, Chaim, Chaim, Rav.